Hello friends and welcome to Find Your Career Calling podcast dedicated to helping you find your next step outside of university by learning about different roles in different industries from the professionals themselves. So in this episode, I have Dee, a mental health officer for Migrant Women Association and a research executive for Argentia Support. So Dee, thanks for joining us in the show. Can you give us an overview of your path so far? Uh, my path is uh, really rather unique. You could say that it's it's the typical self-discovery millennial uh, path, which you can take after university. Basically, I finished uh, I finished a graduate degree in transcultural counseling here at the University of Malta, and uh, sort of I had a moment of hiatus because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So, in I I don't even know uh, in summer 2017 I realized that uh, there was a need for a service for migrant women in Malta because it's it's uh, it's apparently a problem they lack specialized and uh, culturally competent services and since this was my specialty I decided to start the service and bada bing bada boom a couple months later I won a fund from the US embassy and I got the chance to start the service at which I am a counselor oh bro that's so interesting um can you tell us more about the service well basically it's a, uh, it's providing counseling and mental health support to survivors of gender-based violence and um, that means that basically we are trying to find uh, what traumas women have been through in their migration journey try to provide input like sort of give them a bit of awareness that they can get help and then refer them to counseling or else like you know make use of other services that exist in Malta so when you were at university and you did this degree, did you ever think that you'd be in this kind of role or did it kind of just fall into your lap and you just kind of thought of the opportunity and you went for it? Well, honestly, no, I had no idea I was going to do this. It was kind of a moment of fate. I wasn't sure I wanted to do counseling. It just so happened that it was something that I was genuinely good at, but it took me a year between finishing university and actually landing this job. Uh, to actually figure myself out, sort of. And what did you, in between, did you kind of, like, try to find jobs that you thought the counseling degree would would be suited for? I kind of tried everything. Like, I was, at some point, I was a real estate agent. I think mm -hmm. I was a bartender for a while. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know, I spent my year doing odd jobs here and yeah. there in Malta and kind of getting super bummed out about it because it wasn't really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of decided to set this as a goal. And after I set this as a goal, things started, oddly enough, things started moving in that direction. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of our um, listeners would kind of uh, relate um, because a lot of millennials, when they come out of university, they won't, they won't really get the job that they want, that they, that, like the same way that their parents did. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's really important to kind of stress that, you know, if you don't know, um, if you don't have anything after you graduate, it's it's okay to have that yeah. time to breathe, time to think about what you really want to do, what you think your next Yeah, step you're very be. right. You're very right, actually, because um, it was a shock for me, to be honest, uh, actually coming out of university and jobs don't really fall on your lap. And even, even if you apply for something, your degree doesn't really guarantee yeah. And it was it was quite a shock at the beginning because like you know you you kind of are raised with this expectation that you're going to finish your degree and automatically you get to take a job. And in reality this is not this is not what I did. I kind of ended up uh, creating the job that I want 
and uh, being lucky enough to find support to do it. So I'm really intrigued about your role now and the service that you've created for migrant women in Malta. Um, what's your favorite thing about it and what do you do on a daily to day basis? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's going to be a big answer. All right. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's extremely exciting because you get to decide everything. Um, we start from fresh and we started with the right principles of uh, delivering person-centered care. And uh, we decided that nobody, like we realized nobody caters for these women. Like literally nobody's providing them with translations. There's some horrible misconceptions about around culture in Malta. And it's, it's crazy really. But the good part is that you get to decide and you get to determine with the women there kind of what works for them and then set it as a protocol and then set it as a service, which is amazing. So like... On my day-to-day -day basis, I would just um, I would go to my full-time work, which, where I do research, um, but that's maybe another story. And then afterwards, I either have clients in counseling because we've started seeing quite a number of people now from Pakistan, from Iraq, from like Syria, so and even from Somalia. And um, yeah, either I have a case or there's a case review meeting. What else? Um, I have to meet with uh, various stakeholders like UNHCR, for example, on one hand. We have to keep in touch with them, give them updates with um, the psychiatric hospital because we're a mental health service at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So we have to like liaise with them. So and still quite a lot of networking, still like uh, outreach, going to services which haven't heard of us and like telling them that we are there to help them out. So it's quite exciting. You find a lot of people who are interested in the subject and uh, generally want to learn, but they were never given the chance. And Maltese professionals who like feel like they, they want to do this and they want to help more. And they're really happy to hear about us, actually. And how would how what do you envision the service would be in a few months' time, a few years' time? Um, in a few months' time, I don't really have to envision it because the plan is already laid out and it's moving in that direction basically a contract with the University of Malta to get more hands on deck in terms of counseling and then like having a proper referral mechanism where we can share information yeah uh, which is really important by the way and uh, in any service for gender-based violence it's important that uh, the agencies communicate so we're going to sort of create a robust communication system amongst all the Maltese agencies Brilliant. That sounds all great. Um, so just going back to your role as a counsellor, um, can you kind of go what, what that entails? Um, yes, it's uh, quite, a, quite an interesting uh, encounter that you're having as a counsellor because you have, as a professional, you have someone who literally bears themselves in front of you. Uh, and your purpose there is to help them become as comfortable as they, you possibly can and get them to allow themselves to be vulnerable in front of you so that you can work with them. And it's a very, very um, hearty profession, but at the same time, you, ha you have to maintain your judgment. So while the, the client is talking, you're not only hearing them out and genuinely doing so, but you're also running through all of the theories and all of the... Um, flags that all of the lessons that you've learned in training or from past experiences and trying to understand what is going on with that person and sort of make connections there then and there 
and then your answer must be it's it's always based on what you've been heard like this sort of triangulation between your knowledge your experience and what you're seeing and generally noticing from the from the client and you have to make a lot of connections on the spot um to be a successful counselor it's quite a brainy activity mm. like you have to be in it and be in the moment and be extremely focused and genuinely want to help that person another thing that i wanted to ask was you did touch upon is the challenges of the role um whether that be a being a mental health officer being counselor but actually also starting this service from scratch kind of what challenges did you face whether that be personally or um externally oh uh, there's it's quite a challenging environment like once you decide to start your own thing you ha you, you can always expect that there's going to be a lot of questions to which you can you're the only one that basically has the answer for um on one layer is like the humanitarian work which is challenging because you have to learn how to communicate effectively with a, a lot of people like you have to learn how to communicate with politicians with government agencies with uh, the layperson and what have you so there's that and you always have to understand that as a humanitarian actor you kind of run the risk at being in a power imbalance and you have to always keep that in check otherwise we end up with you know stuff that like box funded for example i don't know if you know that story and as a counselor when you're talking when you're meeting a new culture automatically you have to assume that they don't know what counseling is so it's a bit of a challenge to like get like get the message across of what the process looks like and why it's useful to, for them to do it and usually that means you have to appeal in a person's motivations and in, in, in their like understanding of the world and just as a layperson um as a counselor how do you kind of deal with you obviously hear a lot of distressing stories how do you deal with it um personally when you know you're off, off work how do you deal with kind of n like knowing someone's most distressing moments well you deal by thinking that you've done your the best you could and uh, I personally choose to see it as a step forward and as not a victory, but as a step in the right direction. Because if someone trusted you with that kind of information, it means that you have a way to work with them. Like, of course, some some cases are very challenging. And the the best way to go is just acknowledge that you can't save any everybody. You can't fix everybody's life. And see it as a profession, something that you're continuously improving at. So in your short career at the moment, um, what do you think is your proudest moment so far? Well, by far the most proud moment was when I actually won the, the grant. Because it was a, a Julia Taft uh, refugee fund, a global call sort of, and we, I managed to bring that fund to Malta. And uh, the U.S. Embassy people actually fought a lot on our behalf to, to get this fund routed into Malta. That was amazing uh, on its own. And then every single day, every time I get a referral and the person leaves the office a bit more relaxed, then that's a very, very proud moment, which I take day by day. Brilliant. And of course, we can't finish without asking, what's your next move? Well... It would be brilliant if I would be working for Doctors Without Borders. So now I'm, now I'm in the process of actually getting the right contacts. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. Because in reality, you have to 
know people. Yes. Like that's the that's the harsh reality of any profession. I think you have to know somebody from the inside mm -hmm. who can guide you properly, and it through even through the application process. So. I'm currently doing that. Hopefully in the next five years, I'll be working for them. Brilliant. Best of luck. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you. If you got to the end of this episode and feel like you want to find your career calling, check out fycareercalling.com where I can help you gain clarity and confidence in your next step. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend. Because friends, life is too short. Find what you love.